Welcome to Pitnaz. It's good to see all of you today. Uh, Pastor Kyle, he prayed for our veterans. Uh, this is Veterans Day weekend, uh, but we would just like to, to recognize you for a second and celebrate uh, your sacrifice for us. Would you just stand if you have served in any capacity in the military? Do you stand today? Let's give them a hand. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much uh, for what you have uh, given and been willing to give for us. Um, Another thing that we want to celebrate today is we had our All-Star Marriage Conference uh, this past weekend, Friday night and Saturday, and uh, we had 15 couples who showed up for that. So uh, that's awesome. We're really excited about that. Let's give God a hand for those and give those 15 couples a hand. If you miss that... um, We have another one scheduled. We have tentatively scheduled one for April 6th and 7th. Uh, If you are interested, you missed this weekend, you couldn't come, pencil that in on your calendar uh, after the first of the year. Uh, We'll hopefully get that set in stone, but that's what we're shooting for is April 6th and 7th. And uh, if you, um, you know, if you're talking to somebody who said they've, they've been, just ask them. How it was. People have asked me how it went today, and I, well, I feel like it went well, but you should probably talk to somebody who went, I guess. Um, somebody even asked me if Sarah and I were still married after doing it, and I said, yes, we are, we are still married, uh, so that's good. But uh, also kind of related to that is we have a new group that it has, is actually starting now, starting uh, at 10 o'clock on Sundays. It's led by Mike and Bree Sourwine. And uh, they're going to meet upstairs in room 250. You go to the children's check-in area and go up the stairs to the right. And uh, the, the room is there in the hallway. It's going to be aimed at, at couples with kids and teens. And so they're starting it off with a, a study on marriage. They're going to spend six or eight weeks uh, talking about marriage. And then they'll also be talking about, uh, you know, down the road finances and parenting and things like that. So if you're interested in that, next Sunday, check it out at this hour at 10 a.m. You can either go to the 830 service or the 1130 service and still be a part of that. So uh, if you have any questions, that is Mike and Bree. Uh, look them up, hunt them down, and uh, or just go up to room 250 next Sunday at 10. But today, uh, we continue our, our theme of the weekend, which is marriage. And specifically, we're talking about struggling marriages today. Now, I know obviously not everybody in this room is in a struggling marriages. Some are. Some are not. Some of you are married and, and you're, you're happily married and there aren't really any major issues going on in your marriage right now. Or maybe you're here and you're single and you're divorced. Maybe you're not married yet. Here's the thing. Everybody in this room, no matter what your situation is right now, if you're not in a struggling marriage, you know somebody who is. That's just, that's just life. That's the culture we live in. Everybody at least knows somebody who's in a struggling marriage. And so some of the things that we're going to talk about today um, are going to apply to you. They're going to apply to any relationships, no matter what situation you're in. But here's my hope. Here's my goal for today. If you are in a struggling marriage, I hope that you leave this building today with a renewed sense of hope that God can do something in your marriage. Or if that doesn't apply to you, but maybe you have another relationship that is just strained and broken, a relationship with a, a parent or an adult child or a sibling or, or somebody you used to be really good friends with, my hope is the same, that you'll leave here today with a sense of hope and that God can do anything. 
or if you have some loved ones whose marriage seems to be on the rocks, that you will leave here with hope for them because God is a God of hope. And so I want to start today with, uh, with our story. Um, that, uh, that young little 12-year-old couple up there is, is uh, Sarah and me. Um, that's, that's not when I had hair. That's just when I had a little bit more hair. Um, but, uh, you know, Sarah and I, we've got, we got married at 19 and 22. She was 19. I was 22. Um, we were youngins. She was still in college. I had just graduated from college. And, um, I was, uh, I was a part-time youth pastor. Now there is no such thing as a part-time youth pastor or any other pastor. There's only part-time pay. Okay. And so, um, I was a part-time youth pastor. She was in school full-time. I had a, quote, real job, as uh, people used to refer to it as, um, working at a pharmacy. It was kind of a stressful job. And uh, so I worked there 40 hours a week so that we could actually eat. And um, it, things were stressful. We didn't see each other very much. When we did, I was usually stressed out and exhausted. And you combine that with the fact that we were, were young and selfish and um, I would say young and dumb. Maybe I should say young and a little dumber then maybe than we are now. Um, but it, things were difficult. In fact, to be honest with you, things were miserable. And they were so miserable and we got off to such a bad start. After two years of marriage, when she graduated, we packed up and we moved to a whole new city. We basically just started a whole new life because we knew we needed to start over because what we were doing wasn't working. And so we tell people, we've been married uh, for, for 20 years now. In August, we, were, we celebrated our 20th. And um, we, we tell people at the beginning of the marriage conference, Sarah and I know what it's like to be happily married. And we know what it's like to be unhappily married. We've experienced both with each other. And if you're here today and you're married... You also, you know what it's like to be in a struggling marriage. If you're here today and you're married, you know what it's like to be in a struggling marriage because every marriage struggles at one point or another. And so, um, you know, as I was thinking about all of this and I was thinking about Sarah and myself and I was thinking about our story and, and kind of what, what we have been through and our 20 years together, I was brainstorming couples in the Bible who had major problems. And that's not really a short list. There are all kinds of examples of couples in the Bible who had big problems and big marriage problems. But my mind kept going back to one particular couple. And uh, this, was an, this is an unlikely couple. And the reason I say it's an unlikely couple for this subject is because we don't often think a whole lot about this particular detail. The fact that this couple had a struggling marriage. In fact, this couple was on the brink of divorce. And I want to shine a spotlight on that one little detail because usually we just kind of gloss over that detail in their story. But here's the couple. It's Mary and Joseph. The parents of Jesus were on the brink of divorce. Let that sink in for a minute. Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, were at one time on the brink of divorce. Let's look at their story. If you have a Bible or your Bible app, open it to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to put a few verses up on the screen, but if you want to follow along as we kind of skim through their story, um, Matthew tells the story from Joseph's perspective. What did Joseph experience in, in, this, 
incredible story. Well, it tells us in verse 18, he says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, it says they were pledged to be married. In other words, they were engaged. You say, oh, well, that doesn't really apply. Uh, What's the big deal? They weren't really almost divorced. Well, yeah, they were. Because in that day and age, an engagement, it was a, it was a formal process. An engagement, there was, a, there was a, legal, a legally binding element to that. It was more than just sending out invitations and saying, hey, we're going to get married. And so in order to break that engagement, it was more than just calling the caterer and the guests. You had to go through a legal process to end that contract. In other words, you had to get a divorce. And so uh, Joseph and Mary, they're engaged and they're part of, they, they have this legally binding contract. And then Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant. And Joseph thinks to himself, hmm, I know it's not my kid. I know with 100% certainty there is no way that it could be my kid. So men, what would you do in that situation? What would you do? What did Joseph decide to do? It says in verse 19, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It says Joseph had in mind. His mind was made up. Joseph made up his mind. He made the decision. He was going to divorce her. Yeah, he was going to do it quietly and spare her some shame. But he, his mind was made up. I've met a lot of couples over the years whose mind was made up. Or at least one, the husband or the wife. Their mind was made up. They decided, I'm ending this, I'm walking out, I'm leaving, it's over. But I've also met a lot of couples who walked up to that brink where someone's mind was made up. It's going to happen. We just got to get the papers drawn up. But through God's grace and some hard work, they were able to step back from that brink. And God brought healing to that relationship. And he brought forgiveness to that relationship. And he restored that marriage. Even where one or both people had made up their mind. God can do that. He can do that. God can change hearts and God can change minds. And just because someone has made up his mind or made up her mind doesn't necessarily mean that all hope is lost. Well, if you know the story, you know that an angel comes to Joseph and uh, that angel tells Joseph, basically, uh, don't divorce her. Be her husband. And when this child is born, when this son is born, I want you to name him Jesus. And what does Joseph do? It says Joseph did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary, took her home as his wife. And when that child was born, he gave him the name Jesus. So what did God through the angel tell Joseph to do? He said, be her husband, name this child Jesus. And what did Joseph do? 
He became her husband, and he named this child Jesus. In other words, he did exactly what God told him to do. And I know that wasn't because all of this made perfect sense in Joseph's mind. There's no way it could have made sense in his mind. But he trusted God enough to say, okay, God told me to do something. I'm going to do it. He obeyed God. And I can't help but think that all of our marriages, not just marriages, but all of our relationships would be a lot better and a lot healthier. And the divorce rate would go to the basement if we would simply live as God tells us to live. If we would love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. If we would, if we would love other people as ourselves. If we, would, if we would treat people the way God tells us in his word to treat people. If we would forgive the way that God tells us to forgive. Every relationship that you are a part of and that I am a part of would be better. So, let's look at the story then from Mary's point of view. If you want to turn over or find Luke chapter 1, Matthew gives us a story from Joseph's perspective. Luke tells us, uh, tells us the story from Mary's perspective. And uh, he tells us that an angel comes to Mary and, and tells her that she's going to conceive and she's going to give birth to a son. And that son will be a savior to the world. But Mary knows that she's never been with a man. She's never been with Joseph or anybody else. And so she asks a very simple question. The same question that you or I would probably ask. How will this be? How's that going to happen, God? That's impossible. And so the angel explains that the Holy Spirit will miraculously cause a, a, a son to be conceived within her. And then the angel sums it up. By saying what might be the best statement in all of scripture. Nothing is impossible with God. How is this going to happen? Nothing is impossible with God. This is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Remember Joseph's response to all of this was basically, okay God, I'll do whatever you want. You're in charge. What's Mary's response? Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary and Joseph were on the brink of divorce. His mind was made up. But both of them had an encounter with God. And both of them were willing to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because you're in charge. Both of them trusted God enough to do what God said. And because of that, a couple on the brink of divorce went on to raise the Savior of the world. Think about that for a second. A couple on the brink of divorce where everything seemed lost, where everything seemed impossible, where everything they thought was going to happen would happen. And and I bet you in their minds they kind of had their lives planned out. But no, life took a turn and they were about to walk away from it all. And yet God intervened. And this couple went on to raise the Savior of the world. That is crazy, folks. But you know what? God can do some crazy things. 
He's the creator of the universe. He can do crazy things. Even to the point of bringing a couple on the brink of divorce. And bringing them to a point of raising the savior of the world. So, I know that there are some extraordinary elements to this story. There are some parts of this story that you and I will never be able to, to identify with. The, the, the visits from the angels and the miraculous conception and raising the Savior of the world. You think, oh man, that's, that's crazy. I can't, even, I can't even wrap my head around that. I can't either. But there are some parts to this story. There are some principles we can learn from Mary and Joseph's story that we can absolutely identify with and we can begin practicing right now. Again, no matter what your situation is in life, these principles can apply to you. Whether you're married or single, whether you're divorced or not married yet, there are some principles here that we can use and that we can build our relationships on. And the first one is this. Any healthy relationship starts with a healthy relationship with God. Any healthy relationship starts with a healthy relationship with God. You see, in order for this impossible situation to work for Mary and Joseph, they had to love and trust God to get them through this. They couldn't do this on their own. Do you know a couple whose marriage is in trouble? Pray that both of them will fall in love with Jesus like never before. Is your marriage in trouble? Pray that both you and your spouse will fall in love with Jesus like never before. If you're married today, and maybe, maybe you are, you love Jesus with all your heart. You are his completely, total, and 100%, but your spouse doesn't want to have anything to do with God. Pray that he or she will fall in love with Jesus like never before. And if you're here today and you're single, maybe you're a college student or, or whatever, whatever season of life you're in, you're single and you think you may one day be married, the single most important thing you can do to prepare for that someday, whether you have prospects right now or not, is fall in love with Jesus today. You can't do anything else that will prepare you to be married that is more important than that. Fall in love with Jesus. I was thinking about all of this and I was thinking about um, how sometimes we, you know, we focus so much on our, our, our marriage or we, we focus so much on some other relationship we have that's strained or isn't what it should be. And, and um, I, I got to thinking about the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you see the connection, right? I mean, that's pretty clear, so we'll move on. The Heisman Trophy is given out every year to allegedly the best college football player. And uh, that picture is kind of dark, but uh, the, the statue that's given out to this player who, who gets this every year, the statue is that it's, it's a football player and he's holding his, his football right here close to his body. And then his other hand is outstretched. He's... he's holding off defenders who are coming to tackle him. And that works well in football. It doesn't work so well in marriage. Because what happens a lot of time, there are a lot of, there's a lot of people who are, are trying to hold their spouse close to their heart, or they're trying to hold some other person they love close to their heart with one hand, but with the other hand, they're trying to hold God at a distance. 
And it doesn't work. If I want my marriage to be what what I want it to be and, and all that it can be, and if I want it to be what God wants it to be, if I want any of my relationships to be what God created those relationships to be, I can't, I can't hold him at a distance. I've got to draw close to him. And that's true for you too. Here's what happens when a husband and wife or any other relationship, here's what happens when we love God with all of our hearts and we draw closer to him. This is a graphic we use in the marriage conference. If you'll notice on one triangle, the, the, it has the husband and wife at the bottom and, and they're far from God and they're also far from each other. But what happens is they move up the triangle closer to God. They get closer together. When we draw closer to God, when both parties are drawing closer to God, they come closer together. Any healthy relationship starts with a healthy relationship with God, marriage or otherwise. A second principle we can learn from Mary's and Joseph's story is that we have to put selfishness aside to make marriage work. Now, we've got to read between the lines a little bit, uh, read between the lines of their story here. Um, Mary and Joseph, you know, they have this situation where uh, there's a baby out of wedlock. There's a baby that was conceived out of wedlock. And in that culture and in that time, that carried a huge, enormous stigma, much bigger, much bigger than in our culture today. And you think when they tried to explain it to people, you think people actually believed him? Oh, no, no, this angel came to us in the middle of the night, came to both of us. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, God caused this to happen. I didn't touch her, I swear. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it, <laughs> yeah. And I can't help but think at some point, Mary or Joseph or Mary and Joseph at, at, at one point, or maybe at many points, they had to be thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I am not happy. I've got, I've got people I love who won't even talk to me, who won't even look at me. I've got people whispering as I walk down the street. I don't want any more of this. I'm out. I'm not doing this. But apparently, Mary and Joseph trusted God enough to say, you know what, this isn't about me, this isn't about my happiness. We're going to do what God's told us to do. And if that means we've got to make some sacrifices and pay a price, we're going to do it. If that means we've got to set some selfishness aside or set, set our, our temporary present happiness aside, then we'll do it. We're going to follow God and we're going to do what he tells us to do. You see, in in any healthy marriage, you have to get a divorce. If you want a healthy marriage, you have to get a divorce from yourself. You have to be willing to say, this isn't about me. 
And again, this applies to all of our relationships. If we want them to be healthy, we have to say, you know what? It's not about me. I'm not in this just for my own personal happiness. I'm in this to give to this other person. I'm not in this to try to get something from them. I'm in this to give to them. And that means I'm going to set aside my own agendas and my own wants and my own needs. And I'm going to pour myself into meeting the needs and the agenda and the, and the desires of, of my spouse. And when both parties, when both husband and wife commit to that. See, I think sometimes we don't want to commit to that because we think, okay, if I put my needs aside and I, and I focus completely on meeting the needs of my spouse, then what's going to happen with my needs? But when both are committed to that, everybody's needs are getting met. But instead of getting met in this environment of, of selfish taking, they're getting met in an environment of selfless giving. That's God's intention. That's his design, not just for marriage, but for all of our relationships. And by the way, that's why it's so important that we draw close to God. Because as we draw closer to God, he purifies our hearts. And he, burn, he begins to burn the selfishness from our hearts and from our minds. And he replaces it with love for him and love for people, even a sacrificial love for the people in our lives. We have to put selfishness aside to make marriage or any other relationship work over the long haul. So here's the third principle we learned from Mary and Joseph's story. God can do anything. He can do anything, folks. He speaks, he spoke the universe into existence. He speaks galaxies into existence. God can do anything. Remember Mary's question when the angel told her that she would give birth to a son? She said, how can this be? This is impossible. How can this possibly happen? Maybe you're here today and your marriage feels like it's falling apart. You are struggling right now. Or you have some other relationship that just seems like it's falling apart. Or maybe you know somebody whose marriage is falling apart. And if I were to, to say to you or to say to the person you know who's having a hard time, you know what? God is going to restore that relationship. God can do that. He can restore it. He can bring healing and hope to you. And he can, he can put that marriage or he can put that relationship on a level that it's never even been at before. And if you're in that situation, then you may ask the same question that Mary is asking. How can that be? That's impossible. We're ready to sign the papers. I can't even get my, my, my mom or my dad, I can't even get my kid, I can't even get my brother or sister to even return my calls. How can that be? My answer to you or to that person would be the same answer as the angel's response to Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. He can bring hope. He can bring healing. He can bring restoration. God can do it. When your last sliver of hope is gone, nothing is impossible for God. When you feel like you can't give another ounce to that relationship, nothing is impossible with God. 
When you feel like that person has hurt you too deeply, you can't possibly forgive them. Nothing is impossible with God. If you're here today and your marriage is on the brink and somebody's mind is made up, nothing is impossible with God. Kyle asked me a few days ago, he said, uh, he said, what's the big idea for your sermon this week? I said, here's my big idea. With God, there is always hope. And maybe the, maybe the burden that you're carrying here today has nothing to do with marriage, has nothing to do with any, any kind of relationship. Maybe it's your finances or your job or, or your health or something like that. But whatever it is, it seems like an impossible situation. My, my desire is that you leave here today filled with hope, with a renewed sense of hope, knowing that nothing is impossible with God. So we're going to close with a song today, a song of hope. Several months ago, Kyle preached a, a great sermon about a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah had prophesied that, uh, that a, a rain was going to come and end a drought that had just devastated the land. And Elijah sent his servant out to look. He sent him out six times to scan the horizon. And he said, come back and tell me what you see. And six times the servant came back and said, I don't see anything. But the seventh time, the servant came back. The servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. My hope and my prayer for you today, for whatever burden you're carrying, especially today if your marriage is on the rocks, my hope is that God will open your eyes to the cloud that's on the horizon. Right now, it's the size of a man's hand. But my prayer is that as you keep seeking him and as you keep drawing close to him and as you keep following him and allowing him to fill you with hope, that that cloud that's right now is the size of a man's hand will grow into a huge, giant downpour of God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's restoration. He can do it. He can do it. So would you stand with us? This morning, if you would like to come forward, in particular with your spouse, just praying together, folks, is one of the best things you can do with your husband or your wife. And I want to invite you today to just come forward and and pray together. Pray for yourself. Pray for somebody else that you know of. Just pray together. Let's pray to the God of hope. To the God who can do anything. In whatever situation you're facing today.
Father, we, uh, we give you thanks and praise today as the God of hope. We know that you're bigger than any, any burden we face, God. Nothing's impossible for you. And this morning, I, I pray for all of the marriages that are represented in this room or, 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 or online. Father, for those marriages that are struggling, even ones that, that maybe are on the brink of divorce, I pray, Father, that you would, would change hearts and change minds. That you would bring the, the health and the restoration and the healing that only you can bring. That you would melt hearts that have become cold. And Father, for those marriages represented here that aren't struggling right now, things are going well. Father, I pray that, that you would just continue to work in that couple's life. Father, for those who are here today who are struggling in some other relationship and it seems that relationship is over. Father, show them that you're the God of hope, that you're the God of healing. We love you, God, and we trust you. We believe that nothing is too great for you. Nothing is bigger than you. Nothing is stronger than you. And right now, we, we put our hope and we put our trust in the love that you have for every one of us. We love you and we trust you. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed day.